No one's clapping to that. that that's <laughs> disturbing. I think uh, Bobby's song uh, was was so appropriate because there's there's a cultural perspective and how cool is it when he the lines in his song that uh, there's a voluntary submission uh, and sacrifice in marriage that it glues you together and whether the the metaphor is chains or bars or glue or cleaving uh, it's it's a great gift and and we want to again talk about that just a couple thoughts we said last week so why are we here uh first because we're not experts and we're going to show you how not to do it how's that um we are we are we struggle in our marriage and we didn't want to do a marriage series that felt like hey here's here's the pastor and his wife you know because jesus lives in our home in swamico and you know it's perfect um it really isn't and we struggle to figure out how God's called us to be one and married. And um, this week, I really think I modeled Jesus. Trisha didn't. She was, um, we fought on Thursday night. No, um, we'll talk about that. But Thursday night, we had our own, we had a fight. Anybody have a fight from yeah. last week's message to this one? Okay, you're clapping? Wow. <laughs> so... That makes me feel better. I'm glad you guys had fights. Yeah, but Those only of you like that four. Those did raise your hands. I only think like lying. four. I know. I know. So, <laughs> then four couples here we're talking to today. Um, when I say fight, right? It's like this impression because I've some couples said, "Well, he's talking about us because we never fight." Let me qualify fighting. Fighting is not like the uh, like a boxing match. You know, it's not physical. It's not. Um, a yelling match. What well, we it find, can be, but for us, it's I not never yell, hon. Right now, <laughs> we no actually one's laughing don't. at that right now. They're we're a little not yellers. We're not yellers. No. We're right. We're stuffers. Um, we are definitely. Uh, what I'm talking about, it's just irritations. It's reality. And actually, what I loved about what she said in there, I mean, some of the stuff was ridiculous. Obviously, the young couple thing was great. You're in love. I know. You don't count. But <laughs> I, I liked what she said when she. Um, all the emotions are there. Love, hate, um, frustrated, angry, fearful. Mm -hmm. And I think just more being honest about those. So we're not experts. Um, there's a great song that um, was given us to actually by Cindy called Broken Together. And that kind of gets us to what we talked about last week is saying in Genesis, it's God creates man and says, it's his first pointing out of imperfection. He said, it's not good. Something's not right. And so he takes out of man the rib and makes woman. And then he says, these two shall spend the rest of their lives coming back together as one. And then we read, as we said last week, we said that would be all fine and good, but then Genesis 3 happens, and that is sin, and we're broken. And so now not only the, the, the call to come back together is there, but we're to do that in the midst of our sinfulness and brokenness. And so that song, Broken Together, um, was such a, a powerful, powerful, uh, uh, really song for us, and I know that. Mm -hmm. Now, we wanted to talk this morning a little bit more about being male and female, and that God has uniquely designed us uh, as males and as females. And I think a term that gets thrown around often is equal. Mm -hmm. And I think because of stereotypes of what we've gotten in our culture, 
we, we are in an age now where it's really just okay to just we're all the same. Well, we're not really the same. Uh, we are the same in God's eyes, created by him, but we've been made uniquely male and uniquely female. The words in the Hebrew, when God says he created them, male and female, are different words. They not only describe a physical reality that's different, they also describe, though, a, a spiritual role, a role as a complementary role that brings two together. So, well, we've anyway. been reading a book, and it's Tim Keller called The Meaning of Marriage. So if you want a book to read, this is a great one. And we've been reading it this week to prepare. But in it, she talks about how men and women are... Um, even are physically are different. And so I don't need to give you an anatomy class, but I mean, God designed us differently to fit together, even physically. And so there's a beautiful part to that. So he, she even talks about using the analogy of a puzzle, that each piece is uniquely um, different, but they're not, um, they're not exactly alike, but they're made to fit together. And so she talks about how it's, it's designed that way, and God designed it that way. So when he looks at marriage, he is talking about um, how he designed man and woman to come together. And then they, come, they become complete, but it's not that easy. And so we're going to talk this morning about that. Yeah, it's, it's a dance. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's a struggle. Mm -hmm. uh, the word when, when the scripture talks about two will become one or, or a man will leave his his mother and father and cleave to his wife. The word is the same as to glue together, mm -hmm. um, to fuse together. Mm -hmm. And honestly, we don't get a lot of uh, encouragement from what we watch, what our culture is cheerleading. And so I know this morning, the big goal here uh, is to make sure you understand there's a biblical perspective that God has for marriage. Mm -hmm. Can I first say here that when we look anywhere else for the design of marriage other than where God designed it in his word and is how he's described it, we, be, we have a distorted perspective. Uh, a lot of the problem in scripture is that we tend to believe scripture or read scripture through our own cultural upbringing. So there's a danger and we have seen a lot of abuse. And so we're laughing at what we just watched, but how stereotypical that postures you know, her role and his role, and you see this dominant and passive, and it's all warped and distorted. And I, and I want to caution you this morning that, you know, I, I try to tell people when we talk about scripture, that becomes in some ways very abusive because it quickly is around some words we think we know, and we really don't. Our English language is pretty limited as far as when we talk about Greek and Hebrew, and so especially when we land on the passage we're going to land this morning. Right. So you have your challenge flag, though, too, by the way, in okay. case I get out of hand. Okay. So the passage I'm going to read this morning is a really common one. If you have your Bibles, it's in Ephesians, and it talks about... Oh, wait. You know what? I forgot to show this. Can we just show... Oh. Everybody's been begging for this. This is really I important. This is an important begging. part of it. This is what we look like. This is what we look like. Now, yeah. You Sorry, you can't earring? laugh that hard. You've covered your mouth. You're laughing so hard. That's now. Troy has an earring there. I just I didn't do. know if you guys noticed that. Now, I'm really not embarrassed about this picture. Everybody's worried about that. Is a good mullet, <laughs> and it worked in its time. I just want you to. I'm, I'm embracing what was right. 
It got me. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. And you had mall hair and the hand pose. I did pose have mall and, hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry throwing you off. But uh, it, the okay. other thing, isn't it interesting though how you look back at your picture like that and think, what were we thinking? You know, and like <laughs> we had no idea. Our kids love looking at how to be married. Us. Yeah. Anyway, thanks. Okay, son. so. Thanks for loving Ephesians. the mullet guy. Yes. <laughs> okay, so now how do I transition here? Um, so the passage that's usually read or looked to when we talk about marriage is Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, it's Ephesians 5. And we're not going to put it on the screen, but I'll read it to you. It's pretty quick. Um, and this is usually what we hear. It's wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So, when we read this passage, how many of you guys bristle at hearing that you should submit? Come on, please. Come on, be honest. Good Lord. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Harper, thank you. I think sometimes we read that passage, and it's not that I'm discrediting it at all. As a matter of fact, we'll look at this in great detail this morning together. But I think what happens is a lot of times people read that and they think, well, I'm just going to have to submit to whatever, um, and it gives him the right to make whatever decisions he wants to, and I have to just keep my mouth shut and not have an opinion. And it gets distorted. And I think it even can get to the point, like Troy was saying before, of abuse or oppression. Um, And I think if that's you and you're hearing me read that passage and thinking, oh, we're talking about that this morning, I'm turning you off. Please don't. Try to bear with us because we're going to unpack it a little bit more and see just some of the meanings of those words and look at Christ as kind of our example. And I think we'll come up with a, a different... Um, maybe unpacking it a little bit more. I don't know how else to say that better. But I also wanted to say, and we didn't say that um, at the first service, I feel like on the way here I said to try, when we tackle this passage or the idea of headship and submission, and that's really the two words that seem to rub for us, um, especially our culture here that tells each of us to be very independent, think about yourself, do things with only yourself in mind. Make sure you take care of yourself. Well, headship and submission, neither of those words actually fit with that. And so I was telling Troy on the way here, wow, we could have talked about a whole bunch of stuff in talking about marriage, such as finances. Um, we mentioned that last week with financial peace starting. Or talking about, um, okay, how can I keep this PG? Our um, physical lives. Yes, our physical lives. Um, we kind of talked about that and, and marriage and how that can be a, a conflict within our marriage. But I feel like if we discuss this, the headship and submission, it kind of goes over all of that. Then when you start talking about finances or talking about um, your connectedness physically, I feel like this actually is yeah. a great way to look at it. So yeah. I know we didn't talk about it. First, well, and, but... and there's been a lot. Can we? I know we wanted to do this just... I don't know if like apologizing for the big C church, but there's been a lot of church abuse in this area Mm -hmm. that just quickly, especially men that can over spiritualize and take a text here and, and try to force a female culture to, to submission. Nowhere in the Bible does it describe this kind of leadership. 
And in fact, when you read Ephesians 5, you read the first verse in verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He's telling for all of us. So the practice of submission is actually for everybody, male and female. In the midst of a marriage, though, there's this beautiful dance that we get to model a Trinity picture that we'll talk about in a minute. The, the other part of it is the, the section there for wives is, is quite short. You know, you kind of wish God would lengthen that a little bit. But he didn't. He made it really long for us guys, um, for males. Why? Because you'll see in a moment, the picture I think that he paints for men is much more difficult. And it's easy to fall in roles. And so my picture of male design came out of um, my father's and my grandfather's uh, modeling. And so there's two typically, I think, kind of fallbacks that we do, we talked about, and that even Kathy Keller with Timothy talked about it in their book, but we're either passive or dominant. So you either see the male being completely passive, whatever, and unplugging, you know, and it's, uh, it's forget this and whatever, and then they unplug. They might be present, they might be around, but they unplug. The other part of it is being an overly dominant uh, male that uh, is abusive in a lot of ways. So the picture I had, and again, I've told you I love my mom and dad, and again, I think they did the best with what they knew. Uh, my dad, for years, called himself the king, the king of the family, the king. And you laugh, but as a boy, all I watched on TV for families, you know what I watched? All in the Family. Do you remember that show? Okay, we tried to watch a couple clips. It was disturbing. Not only racial, but it was so demeaning. Mm -hmm. But you start to think of some of the shows that we watched growing up. Even, so there's a horrible dominating kind of picture. But think about Married with Children. I mean, that was disturbing. But let's even go to the nice shows, the black and white, where everything was perfect. Leave it to Beaver, like, right? It's the, the passive and just everything works. So our models were that way. So I remember hearing and watching my dad interact with my mom, and it was always dominating. It was always, this is what we're going to do, and don't argue with me. And I remember going to my grandparents' house, and guess what? My dad and my grandfather would fight, because they were, it was the, the, the alpha male contest. And so when I took the Myers-Briggs, it wasn't my fault, right? It was my parents, and <laughs> it was my fault. Only model I had about, I took this test before we were married, and it said, remember I told you the special encouragement note I got, on, or you got? And I got, don't Do marry not marry this guy. This guy. Yes. Um, <laughs> he's dominant. He's, yeah. he's over-dominant. And I don't think we recognize how much junk we bring into our marriage culturally. And so then, it's easy to spiritualize and go, well, the Bible says I'm supposed to be the head and you're supposed to submit. And it's easy to go there. But there's a lot more that needs to be unpacked before we can you know, quickly do that. We drag in that. Let me just say one more thing. We also then stereotype roles, don't we? So then it's, I'm the head and you're the submission. So here's what I grew up with. Women do the dishes, right? Women are supposed to stay in the house. And so there's all this cultural stuff. Well, that really isn't biblical. In fact, most of third world and writing in scripture, the women were working just as hard as men. I think we bring in so much we don't recognize and can't decipher 
what was God really designing and saying, and what if we just drug along and tried to attach to it? Yeah, exactly. Well, and she talks about that in, in her book when she says that, um, I think God intentionally didn't give all the instructions we needed because he did just give the very basics so that it would blanket, yeah. it would carry over from century to century, from culture to culture. Mm -hmm. So, I, I grew up different than Troy, uh, for sure. I did, I, my parents were loving and um, I, well, I don't- My parents were loving, come on now. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, sorry. <laughs> she told me, do not throw me off this service. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but they didn't get it right all the time. I, I think my, my mom and dad were young believers through my uh, childhood. So I was probably six, I think six or seven when they became believers. And they really like drank in the scriptures at that young, tender, I think, spiritual age for them. And so when they would read things, they did their very best. I can remember my dad trying to lead in our family spiritually and and take us through, um, we would sit around and have family devotionals, of course, all of us kids tried to unravel that as fast as possible, and we were just a disaster to work with, but I just remember him, I can, like, I had snapshots in my head of him doing some of these things, um, but my mom was definitely the either passive or dominant, yeah. and she, she would fluctuate, and we even saw that yeah. after we were married, so... It was, it was a different model. I think I saw some really good things, but there were definitely some things that were not healthy. So. Yeah, there's no doubt that we would admit how we grew up influenced even how we read the text. Right. And then even the, whether it's you agree with it or disagree with it, you drag so much of that in. And so finding some clarity, here's a couple keys that I think helped us unlock a lot of this in our journey. And I think it's helpful for you to know some of the key words um, first, in Genesis 2.18, it says that God made for us men a helper. Isn't that nice? Um, a helper. In fact, in the King James language, which started to be attached to that translation was helpmate, which is even probably worse for some of the women in here. Like, really, do you want to be a helpmate? Let me dig a little bit into this word. This word is actually in the Hebrew called ezer. And it has actually a, a real beautiful depth. Just a couple thoughts about Ezra. Ezra has a couple roots to it, and I don't want to get into a, whole, a lot of that because I'm really not a Hebrew major. But interesting words, it's, it's to be strong or powerful. The word Ezra, as you think helper, means to bring strength or power. So, so let me tell you how that's connected. 21 times in the Bible, the word Ezra is used for, guess who? God. In fact, um, in Psalms 20, uh, 33, 20, but it's all over the Bible. Listen to this. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our Ezer, our helper, and our shield. If, if anything should change the perspective is that helper has such a demeaning cultural perspective, biblically, it has this powerful meaning. Now, the term also would use as Ezer would mean it's the same meaning of bringing an army. So Ezer has this picture of a powerful army being brought to support and to lead with. Man, ladies, I'll tell you, that's a powerful picture. That's a beautiful picture. And I could, I could affirm to you that 
when we live in our design, when Trisha lives in that beautiful picture of how God made her female, and she is Ezer, I feel strong. Not because I'm strong, but because she brings strength. I, I think that's so complimentary and so beautiful how God designed that. So that's one word. The other word is the word submit, which is the other kind of trigger word for us in this text. Um, the Greek word in this uh, is interesting. It means to arrange troops in divisions in a military fashion underneath the command of a leader. But catch this. It's a voluntary attitude. Not cursed. Yeah, not it's, cursed. it's not you will do this. Mm -hmm. It is Ezra bringing the strength and willfully submitting to a leader. Having been in the military, I get that. It, it wasn't I was any less. It was I'm going to follow this person because I want to bring support to their leadership. To, to me, that changes and unlocks as we kind of then read Philippians passage. Right. So why don't we talk a little bit, too, about, I mean, we're kind of focusing on submission, but why don't we talk about um, the headship a little bit? I know we didn't do as much yeah. in the last one, but I think there's a difference between, um, I think when we talk about headship, there's times when we think just authority, um, but it actually, when and, God And it's the easy about, one, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll yeah. be in charge. Yes. So, you know, yes, you ask one. a bunch of men I'll, to be in charge. I'll be bossy, okay. How many of you would do it? Right? Oh, come on, be honest. Look, at it's <laughs> such a not an honest group this no, morning. what's up with that? Maybe they're not listening. Um, but I think that it's a different kind of authority yeah. that God's talking about in here. And he talks about, um, or she talks about, I should say, that it's not... Uh, just an authority, but it's self-sacrificing. And that's different to me. To me, that's saying that you're looking at everything that you do as to the best for me. So for us, for our family. And so you're not thinking of yourself. It's self-sacrificing. So when you are in that place of authority in our home, and I know that you're doing it out of... Um, what is for the good of our family or yeah. for me, yeah. that changes everything. Yeah. Um, when you're selfish, then... Right, which is very little, just very right. little, yeah. The, it's in interesting because... You just gloss right over that, right? Um, it's, it's interesting how headship, we, again, we drag in cultural junk, and that is being a boss, being a military mm -hmm. commander, shouting out commands... And I don't think we recognize how much that gets drugged into how we think in marriage. Mm -hmm. And that is not the biblical model of leadership. Right. It is not the design of male leadership with a spouse. It really isn't. So you've got to dive into Philippians because I think that okay, gave right. us no, that's a, true. the picture of what that leadership looks like. Right. So when we read the Ephesians passage... I think we think, well, who, who's modeling this for us? And so then I think that's where, what I love about what she did was she brought in Philippians. So I know we don't have it on the screens, but if you can listen to this, this is about um, Jesus and his relationship to both God and the Holy Spirit. And you're going to wonder, why are we talking about this in the context of marriage? But you'll understand as we kind of unpack it a little bit. Um, it's, it's Philippians 2 and verse 5 is where I'm starting if you're following with me. And it says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, 
who being in the very nature God, meaning he is God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, because he did all that, God exalted him to the highest place. He gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What I love about this passage and the way she kind of describes it is the, the dance of the Trinity. And when Troy and I were, were talking about the beauty of submission and headship, if it's done in a biblical way, it is like watching two people who are dancing together and you, they don't look like it's, they don't make it look like it's hard at all. Like it's an easy, it comes natural, it's smooth and it's beautiful and you aren't noticing the steps. And I think the dance of the Trinity to picture that is, and then to picture us being like that is, is just beautiful. Yeah. So. I think too, the, the, the part of this that we go back to now design, if, if God made male and female equal in his eyes, but different and unique, uh, and, and so then the, the roles we play complement one another. Really, you're, you're loving somebody that's other than you. Her whole chapter is called Embracing the Other. It's different. Mm-hmm. I think what struck me about the Philippians passage is that Jesus models this leadership on the cross because he loves the other, and that's us. We are resistant mm-hmm. to, to his authority. You never see Jesus barking out like a military commander and demanding that people submit. But his servant-style leadership is what's so uh, powerful. Mm -hmm. And we get both this chance, because Jesus does both. He both submits and sacrifices. And she says these words, courageous submission, but self-sacrificing authority. And when those two things get... Uh, when those two things, as we enter into the gift of marriage, because we said this last service, I gave Trisha a gift. Um, I think sometimes we think marriage is our idea or the world's idea, and we could just, we, it's like, how good is your marriage? Well, we're working on it. I think you need to change your framework about how you view marriage. Marriage was a gift from God that he designed male and female marriage. When you enter into that, you now steward that gift. It's not as if you create good or bad marriages. You steward a gift given to you as you're called to live in your role. That's a very different perspective. And so it it calls us out to model the very things that Jesus does, which is that submission and that sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And he modeled both. So I think even, like you said, when I think about submission, he submitted to his father. I mean, that was submission. So when I think about coming into this marriage and I think, I'm not going to submit to you. You're not making decisions that are good for me. It doesn't matter. I am called to be like Jesus, whether that's in relationship with my friends or if it's in relationship with Troy. And I think for me reading this and saying, whoa, I never noticed that, really about Jesus submitting to his father. He showed this courageous submission. 
Because even at the end of his life, he says to his father, I don't really want to do this. And yet he submits to the authority of his father. It doesn't make him less than his father. And for me, that was huge. I just thought, oh my goodness, I'm submitting because I'm called to be like Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole different picture for me. It changes what the Ephesians passage is. Yeah. So there's no, I don't know how to, to do this picture. Oh my gosh, no, don't do this. Other than, um, and I'm going to do this because. Who knew this? Did you? Um, when we got engaged, I did this very thing. Um, Jesus does this, and he takes his disciples, and they had probably way dirtier feet than Trisha has. I haven't seen him yet. Trisha, you just did your nails this week, so this is perfect timing. This is good timing. But he, he washes her feet. He, they, he washes their feet. And I remember saying to you, as Jesus served and loved his disciples, so I want to serve and love you this way. This picture to me of, of male leadership is what gets missed. I mean, who does that? I don't have a towel to dry your foot, so I've, I've really screwed up. Um, I, I've just realized. <laughs> I'm good, thank you. <laughs> Jesus does this bowl and this basin and this towel because he wants his disciples to go, this is what I'm talking about when I say lead. N- not barking out commands, not saying you're in charge, not holding to the authority that you do have, but, but grasping onto this concept of, of serving with the towel. And that really is the Philippians passage. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have one clean foot, okay, but I'm not good. suggesting that your other feet are dirty. Or you're... <laughs> Thank you. Um, I do that because I, I remember doing that for you on, in Santa Barbara when we got married. And what's so funny is it was easy for me to, to read the Bible and say, I'm just going to do what Jesus did. Boy, very different mm-hmm. to now live that mm-hmm. um, in our home. Mm-hmm. And like we just said Thursday, you know, everything in me on Thursday wanted to say, I don't want to kneel down and sacrifice this way. I don't. And it, it just calls us to such a different way to think about how to operate this way. And when you operate that way, it's, it shouldn't define how I submit, but it sure makes it easier. And I can see the dance, you know, that yeah. God designed us to do. Um, I think it's easy to be either passive or dominant. Yeah. But when we work super hard, it lands somewhere in the middle because passivity to me is saying, you know, it's like the middle finger. As it harsh is. as that is, it's like, forget this, yeah. you know, forget you, yeah. and I, you're I'm not done with it. you. Yes. Right. Or dominant would be, I'm just going to have my way, and I'm not going to listen to you. But to me, the work and the dance is in the middle of both. It's taking both. It's yeah. giving in, which is some of passivity, and, and also staying in the fight is being dominant, some of the dominance. So. And I don't think this means... Uh, I don't think Trish and I are suggesting at all this means, I, I don't want you to spiritualize this conversation too much and 
well, I'm doing what Jesus did, you know, and I'm right. just going to do this. Oh, yeah, no, you can't pull that card. It has, to, it has to be from here. And that's what I would say to you. God designed marriage. God created marriage. It's a gift he allows us to enter into. Therefore, no other place gives us a perspective about marriage. Our government, our world has no perspective about marriage except God. Because of that, it is difficult to love the other. There is a struggle in loving the other. But that struggle makes something different in us. It creates something different. And so centered on Christ, that means how is God a part of this foundation for you? If you're trying to get your marriage to a place as we're trying to describe to you, through any other means, it's not going to work. And that's why I'll tell couples that if they don't have a faith in God, why would you stay married? I mean, think about it. It, it. The culture is right. Without God, try it out for a while. And if, it doesn't, if you're not getting what you want, get out. That makes sense without God. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense when you look at the design of how God designed marriage. So anyway, that passage has meant a lot to us. This chapter meant a lot to us, I think, it this does. week. I think that what, what I unpacked from combining those two passages was that it's not just um, authority and submission, but it's the self-sacrificing authority, and without the self-sacrificing, yeah. you're missing it. Yeah. And then the, the, the submission part, I would attach the word courageous to it, because I think it's a choice for a woman to say, I will be courageous enough to submit and to support and to pull my army up and around this man that I've had a covenant with that God, you know, before God and our family, we made that covenant. So there is a difference between just being submissive. I can do that. I can say, oh, okay, fine. Fine, go ahead. Do what you're going to do. And that's not from here. That's not submission. No. Being courageous is like, okay, I make this choice to do this. And I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to trust that God's leading you. So three kind of practical applications we had from uh, last week, we'll add to them. So if you could pull Mm -hmm. the slide up there. I think the first one is um, choose to love. You guys have that? I'm looking at myself on the screen. First, uh, we're we're suggesting if in, in the choice to love one another in the design that God's called you to, as he's called you to love this sacrificial way, you ought to change your attitude. Uh, if you read these, both of these texts, you're going to find that we both have an opportunity to model what it means to be like Jesus. We're both sacrificing. We're both submitting. If I'm not submitting my, my life to Christ and I'm not self-sacrificially leading, um, I'm not modeling the, the, the Jesus call. And so it's changing your attitude. You've got to change the way you think. A big change for, I think, us, and well, for me specifically in a marriage, um, it's not a consumer relationship. I'm going to wait till she gives me what she wants before I, you know, give her what she wants. And if you operate this way in your marriage, you're down a, a terrible road because, and that's our world, you know, give it a try. That's why a lot of couples live together, quite frankly. And, and they may not, they may think it's love, but it largely is around uh, we're going to wait. We're going to try out some things and see if, if we're willing to commit. I mean, Bobby's thing's true, the, his song. Mm-hmm. When you step into the gift of marriage, it's a covenant in saying, I'm, 
I am sacrificing the right or the ability to go anywhere else, mm -hmm. but I'm focusing on you. There's something else too about this that I don't think we talked about in the first service, but this whole changing your attitude, she talks about it being an invisible change yeah. where you are not pointing it out to the other how you're becoming more, you know, showing submission or did you notice that I submitted to your leadership right there? It's, um, you know, it or work, Troy saying, really see how self-sacrificing I was. Um, so I think it's, that's really important because she, and it, it also speaks to yeah. you doing it, whether regardless if Troy follows after Christ, I still need to choose it and it should be an invisible change in my attitude. And listen, it's not easy. I mean, Ezra over here can bring like a divisions of army with her. So, <laughs> I mean, we are, we are strong yes. couple, yes. um, and have had to find kind of how does that work, yeah. um, this way. And so. Yeah. The second part is um, really own your part, and that's change your behavior. Then you begin to look at how do you need to change who you are and how you operate. And, and can I go back to those continuums? You're either operating too passive or too dominant, and somehow finding that middle space of where does God call us to be that self-sacrificing male, um, that submissive female, um, that ezer, and, and what does that look like? And again, get away from the roles that you project on that to make it negative. It is not negative anywhere in scripture right. um, as, as God's designed it. It is a beautiful picture. And it's not unequal, it's an equal from both sides. I just think it's not that somebody's better than the other one. Right, right. It's okay, Yeah, and we were talking about this this week. It's so hard because equality is a, this politically correct term everybody wants to use. Friends, we were not, we were designed in equality as, as it means to God, meaning we, he equally loves and is equally created, but unique. Mm -hmm. We are unique. Mm -hmm. What makes us male is that God has made us both physically and spiritually. There is a different role that we play, but do not project. That means I am, you know, I go and go out and drink beer with the boys and I go hunt it may not mean any of that, and I, but I think we project all these weird stereotypes that, you know, obviously we've talked about. Um, the last part is this, be lovingly honest. And you gotta change the way you talk. I mean, that, that if, if any of us could confess in this room, right, where it starts to go south is the words we choose to use or the words we, we don't use. And so there's, it's, it's beginning to communicate but being jealous and, and, and budgeting what you're gonna say, think about it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's hard, I know for me, like on Thursday when, I mean, again, when we say we fight, it's, it's not like dishes are thrown and, and stuff like that. But there was a shutdown moment and it was quiet and everything in me was like, I so don't wanna self-sacrifice anything right now, you know? And, and it's, it's really taking a breath and, all right, God, you designed this gift. I'm entering into this gift. How do I steward mm -hmm. this well? And not to spiritualize, like, I'm going to be more spiritual than you. Uh, but Which he isn't. But. I'm not. Thank you for that. That was not in the notes, by the way. You didn't need to throw that in. <laughs> um, there's two parts of this, though, that she said. We'll finish up with this. Um, and Bobby and the team will probably come up here and Practice this in your own marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys, especially in the church, 
quit pointing at everybody else to, to, to fix what they do and don't do. You begin in your own home and you begin in your own relationship. That's really where you need to begin. But then she says something so beautiful and in the context of a church community that understands marriage, mm -hmm. the design of male and female, and repentance and forgiveness. Oh my gosh, because we need that, don't we? A gal came up last service and says, I've been divorced for 20 years. I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. And I said, you, there is no condemnation. The love of Christ frees you from that. And Jesus will always say, go and sin no more. And we need a culture that's going to give us grace and forgiveness. And yet, call us to lean towards what it means to be man and woman. What it means to, to, to model this dance of the Trinity. Mm -hmm. She says, she, I'll close with this comment. She said, um, she's talking about how going back to the way God designed us, and it says the tender serving authority, I love that, the tender serving authority of a husband's headship and the strong, gracious gift of a woman's submission. So it is a gift and it's a choice. Restores us to who we were meant to be at creation. Yeah. I love that picture. So we can try to dance together. <laughs> Which was a struggle, by the way, when we tried to learn to dance together. Yes. Who was leading? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> that was the dance instructor said, Trisha, he has to lead this. <laughs> anyway. Well, he said someone has to lead, and yes. it should be him. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, I was... It would be awkward if I was thrown down, you know? That would be awkward. I was trying to lead. <laughs> uh, we also want to call you to prayer. And, but we want to just first encourage a lot of you live in isolation with your marriage and you're afraid to talk about it as if you're the only one that struggles. And we knew when we started to do this series and there's so much more we could, I mean, we could extend this series for months to talk about marriage. We just wanted to offer a first step out of responsibility just to say, how do you begin? We say a first step together is email um, Pete and Sherry App are ready to kind of receive that email and begin to then help take next steps with you. Some of you need some counseling. And not to say you're messed up, because we've done enough of our own, you know, we've gone to counselors. You just kind of need some help. Some of you need some pastoral direction that we want to offer. Some of you just need to talk to a couple and vent a little bit and go, gosh, are we crazy? Whatever it is, can I encourage you, take a step in your marriage move into the church community and begin to be honest about where you sit. Friends, our marriages don't fall into sin right away. They don't fall off of a cliff like, whoa, I just fell. They gradually move away. And most of you already know it's starting to happen. And when that happens, you need to begin to dive in, take that first step. So we wanted to encourage some of them to stand, right? Mm -hmm. If you would like some prayer this morning, uh, maybe you're nervous about... Uh, really diving in and figuring out how this works in your marriage for both women and men. Um, Troy would like to pray for you. So if you want to stand, I feel like this week is much more introspective. I'm not asking you to stand as a couple. I think I'm asking you if you want prayer for just um, these two areas yeah. in your marriage, we'd like to pray for you. So if you want to stand with us, because clearly we need prayer, and I'm not joking about that when I say that. Um, we struggle with this every day, mm -hmm. every day. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, you guys. Well, let's pray for you. Uh, Father, as couples stand, 
I am reminded how much we're dependent on your spirit's transformation in our lives. God, would you begin to bring great courage for these couples to be honest with not only one another, but also you and the community? God, I would pray for endurance to work through the otherness of their spouse so that this dance of the Trinity can begin to happen and be modeled. God, would you give them um, courage, some endurance, and Father, would you shower them with love? Let them realize the love of the Father. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, as they lead us to communion, and we're gonna go, can you be reminded that as you go to the cross, this is the model that Jesus gave us, uh, that he died for you. He submitted to the Father and surrendered his leadership. Sacrifice, self-sacrificial leadership. This is what you go and take when you take the bread and cup. So let's do this together.